unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my
Good morning. We welcome you to the services of the Boonville Church of Christ. If you're visiting with us, you're our honored guest. If you're joining us on social media, we uh, welcome you as well. As you can see on the screen, our theme for the year is the power of one. We're and the theme verse this year is Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It is so good to be together to worship God this morning. We have a friendship register on each pew. We would ask that you uh, pass that down the row, and we'd like to get a record of everyone's attendance. The ushers will pick those up at the end of service. We do have an attended nursery. If you need to use that, it just go out into the lobby, and it is to your left. The room is there. Just a reminder, our Christmas Day worship schedule is slightly different. We will worship at 10.30 on Christmas morning, and there will be no 5 p.m. service. Leading us in our worship today, Brother Jeremy Jones will be leading our singing. Brother Carter Swinney has the opening prayer. Brother Evan Pounds has the scripture reading. Brother Stephen Hodgen will be bringing us the lesson today. He, he's piqued our curiosity with the title, Is There Sin on Your Front Porch? Hope it's not in the house. Uh, helping us... By leading us as we observe the Lord's Supper will be Brother Billy Martin and Brother Doug Smith will have the announcements and closing prayer. Would you bow with me, please? Our loving Heavenly Father, we're so thankful that we can assemble together to worship Thee. We pray, Father, that all we do would be pleasing in Your sight. We're thankful for Your blessings. We're thankful for Your love for us. We're thankful for your forgiveness and for your mercy. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. First song will be Hosanna, you're my king. Let's all sing out this morning. Hosanna, you're my king. I worship and I sing. I lift your holy name.
Would you bow with me? Dear Lord, we thank you for uh, another opportunity you bless us with today to gather together and worship you and spend time in your word. Just help us to pay attention, have the right mindset throughout worship today, Lord, and be able to listen and take back something we're here today, maybe use it in our everyday walk of life. I ask that you be with the leaders of our congregation, help them continue to make the decisions that are best for us, and please be with those that are sick and needing your prayers, Lord, and those that are in the military serving our country, and help us to always remember to try to put you first in everything that we do, and to remember all the blessings you have give, given us, and to be thankful for that. Most of all, Lord, we always need to remember to be thankful for your son, who if his life on a cross for sinners like us, that we may have a chance for a home in heaven one day. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I'd like to mark the invitation song be 936 after Stephen leads us uh, in his lesson. 936. Before his lesson, we'll sing Light the Fire. Would you stand with me as we sing this together? Light the Fire. I Scripture reading will come from Genesis 4, verses 1 through 8. Genesis 4, 1 through 8. Now Adam knew Eve was his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was the keeper of the sheep, and Cain was a tiller of the, of the ground. And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought his first firstborn of the flock, and their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you uh, do not do well, sin lies at the door, and this desire, and this desire is for you. 
but you shall, but you should rule over it. Now Cain uh, with Abel. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and then and it came to pass when they were in the field, and Cain rose up, that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. Good morning. Before we get into our study this morning, I want to remind, first I want to thank Salt Team 3 for hosting the dessert and uh, uh, coffee gathering tonight in honor of the teachers. And teachers, you should have received a personal invitation to be a part of that. And if the mail didn't deliver that, it's not Bo's fault. Um, and if it didn't happen to get your way, uh, please consider this, that reminder for you to be a part of that tonight. Isn't it great for us to be able as uh, a people to gather and to worship God by allowing him to teach us through his truth? This morning, I invite your attention to the book of Genesis, chapter 4, that Evan read to us uh, just a moment ago. And if you looked in the bulletin, um, Brother Jim, it couldn't have been any more perfect uh, what you said because that's exactly where we're headed here in just a few minutes. As we think about, uh, you may look at that topic and say, there's not even any points. Is there sin on your porch? Uh, and I don't even see that in Genesis 4. Lord willing, I hope before we are finished here in just a few moments that we'll come all the way full circle and not only understand that question, but understand its importance and be able to answer it before we stand and sing a song of invitation and encouragement here in just a few minutes. This morning, if you're taking notes, and I encourage you to do that, but you will see that there are no um, uh, points there. Very simply, from Genesis 4, 1 through 8, uh, I want us to notice some observations as we study and then make some applications to our lives and then consider some spiritual ramifications that are very important as we bring this lesson toward its end in just a few minutes. Now, uh, I had, in a conversation not too long ago, actually, I had an individual who basically shared this sentiment with me. And I don't uh, say this, I'm not ju being judgmental about this, I just don't necessarily agree, but uh, made an observation that we ought to be uh, reading and, and, and studying the New Testament because that's what we live by. Now, granted, I can read in the book of Colossians chapter 2, verses 9 through 12, and then in several chapters in the book of Hebrews, it is the New Testament gospel by which I am saved and by which is the authority, but the authority by which I live, absolutely. But you know what the Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 15, or excuse me, Romans chapter 15, and verse number 4, he said, The things written aforetime were written for our learning, so that we, through patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. And then when I read uh, in the first epistle that Peter wrote, he talks about us uh, as children of God having a living hope. Now, as an observation, and you don't have to agree with me, but I want to suggest to you that if we only use the book of Genesis through Malachi, as an occasional historical reference to which we might or might not sometimes or ever refer, we make a grave error. For those things are given to us as an example. Those things are given to us from which we can learn and ought to learn lessons. And they help shore up 
the living hope that we find through the blood of Jesus and through the pages of his gospel. So as we think about that, I find such a, an instance in the book of Genesis chapter 4. You read Genesis 4 and you say, okay, that's where Cain and Abel came along, the first two children, and that's where Cain killed Abel. We learn a lot about Abel who still speaks from the ground, as God said to Cain, and then in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 we read about him. But may I suggest to you this morning that there is a much deeper lesson or lessons that you and I can learn as we just simply look at this passage. It was read to you a moment ago, but let's make some observations. First of all, verse 1, I hope you've got your Bible open or you give a hearing to the Word of God. Now Adam knew his wife, she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And again she bore Abel. Abel was, a, Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground in the course of time. First thing I want us to observe is that there's some time passing here. Now let's think about this for a minute. It's, it might be the case that we kind of think that Adam and Eve, we don't know what happened to them. We don't know, and I'm certainly not going to uh, take liberty with the Scripture, but I believe that you and I can infer that they continued serving God because when uh, they had their first child, what was it that Eve said? I have gotten a man from the Lord through the help of the Lord. And then as time passed, they brought an offering. Where did Cain and Abel learn to bring offerings before the Lord? Who did, how did they learn that there was a Lord? Well, Adam and Eve taught them as parents should teach them. So there were some things in place that ought to have been in place here, it seems. But in the course of time, time passed. And it says that Adam was a, a keeper of the flock and Cain was a tiller of the ground. Here's what I want you to think about. Some time passed. And these boys became teenage boys, and these teenagers became young men. These young men grew into young adult men, and then adult men who had their own lives, and who, uh, one, became a tiller of the ground. That was his vocation. That's how he made his living, as we would say. Then another, he was a keeper of the, the flock. He was agriculturally or, uh, inclined, and that was the course he took in his life. Here are these young men. Now, think about our, ourselves. We're going to rear our children. We want them to become independent. We want them to get an education. We want them to stand on their own two feet. And as I said, uh, when my children uh, moved out, when Kelsey moved out, my last child, and uh, I, I looked at someone and said, now they're all gainfully employed. And as parents, we're look, we, we look forward, we want that to happen. And so that happened. And how Cain and, or Adam and Eve must have been happy. Here these boys are living on their own. Time passed. Now understand this. As we serve God, as we live, time is going to pass. As long as the Lord's face is coming, the sun is going to come up, it's going to go down, the earth is going to do what it does, of going around the sun, and there's going to be a spring and a summer and a fall and a winter, and time is going to pass. Okay. Now, let's keep reading. Cain brought an offering from the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had respect or regard, the ESV says, had respect for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. 
He had no respect. So what's happened here? They brought their offering. They were doing their due diligence to worship God, to serve God. Now, um, I, I don't, I'm not going to say that, well, it was because that Cain didn't bring an animal offering because that hadn't been instituted yet, or at least we didn't know that. We don't know for sure, but here's what we do know. I, in my opinion, now when I give you my opinion, you can take it or leave it. Usually it's probably better to leave it. But my opinion is here it has something to do with the words he brought forth of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portion. He brought his best to God. But irregardless of the details of which we're not uh, aware, Cain, he came. He came. We would say it, he came to church. He came before God. He brought his offering. Abel was there. He brought his offering. And God respected the one Abel brought, but he didn't respect the one that Cain brought. So what's the observation? That I can bring before God that which he doesn't accept. I'm present. I have brought. I have checked the box. I have done exactly what God said do, except God didn't respect it. Now, let that sink in for a minute. Do you understand? And a little side note here. This sermon is an a, a, a outpouring of a personal study that I've been doing, or it's the result of, and... Another reason why I don't necessarily have a PowerPoint, these observations and applications may flow together rather than be standalone points. And that's okay. that's okay. I just wanted you to be aware of that as we get into this a little deeper. You and I need to understand that we can come before God, that we can offer God that which we are supposed to offer God, and God not respect that. Just as surely as Cain found himself in that place, you and I can find himself, ourselves in that position. Now, you and I need to let it sink in exactly what does that mean when God doesn't respect what I have brought him. When God doesn't respect that which I am in his presence, he has no regard of it. Did he know who Cain was? He certainly did. Did he love Cain? Yes, he did. How do you know that? Well, he tried to help the man. He loved Cain. He gave him an opportunity. Just like he's going to give every single one of us an opportunity with every breath we take and every step he allows us to make to make the right choice. But I can choose to be in such a place that God won't respect that which I am showing him, giving him, offering him, with which I am serving him. Now, let's keep going. Look at verse number 6. And the Lord said, well, actually, verse 5. And the Lord had respect for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard or respect. Now watch this. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The King James says his countenance fell. King, New King James may say that too. And, and you might read that and say, that's kind of strange. His face fell? Anybody who has ever had a child knows what that phrase means. My mother used to call it, don't sell up. Nod your head if you've ever seen a sold-up person. Absolutely. Cain, it, it, it was an affront to Cain. I don't know what Cain said or what Cain thought, but I know what he looked like. That look on his face was, wait a minute, I'm here. Wait a minute, I brought that which was mine, that, and I brought it and I gave it to you. What do you mean? It's not good enough. Huh. He swelled up 
as we'd say. He's filled up. And God, can you imagine God seeing the look on our face or the, the content of our heart and, and thinking, wait a minute, why are you behaving that way? You know better than that. But that's what happened to Cain. Cain made a choice. He didn't like the answer that he got. He didn't like the result. Sometimes you and I, when we are honest with Scripture, when we stop and we are honest with the person who is staring back at us in that mirror and we allow the mirror of the Word of God, James calls it that in James 1, the mirror of the Word of God to reflect where we really are and how God really sees us, sometimes we are like Cain. Sometimes, I believe, we're like Abel. God respects us because we're doing the best we can. But there are other times we may find ourselves to be like Cain, and we may respond the way Cain did. Huh, wait a minute. I'm there every Sunday. What are you talking about? Let me show you in my checkbook how much I, I give. How could God not be pleased with... Wait a minute. Now let's keep going. And notice what God says here. The Lord said to Cain, verse 6, Why are you angry? And why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? Let's stop right there. One of the things, it is that time of year in which uh, every, every educator of the high school, well, every educator, loves this time of year and the, and the spring of the year because it is state testing time and we all live for that. For those of you who don't know, that was sarcasm. Uh, it's that time of year that we're focusing on. And one of the things that I have found is a skill that my English 2 students need is the understanding of rhetoric uh, and how rhetoric is used in speech and in uh, writing. And many times we think rhetoric, the only time we've, we've ever heard is a, is a rhetorical question. And a rhetorical question is a question that's used to get your attention or make your point. It is not asking for information. And the first time I gave that definition, I had students look at me like, huh? And then I illustrated it like this, and every single one of them said, oh, that makes sense. If your mother comes into your room, and just out of curiosity, if you are still living at home and it is your job to make sure that the garbage gets from wherever it stays at the house to the bin at the road, raise your hand. Is there anybody that has to take out the garbage? Okay, uh, a lot of grown men raising their hand, not a lot of... Okay, now, but... So I'll do it this way. Let's do it this way. If your wife... I saw Jeremy and I saw Brandon. If your wives come in from the carport with two bags of garbage that smell quite badly and they look at you and say, did you take out the garbage? I guarantee you they know the answer to that. So a rhetorical question isn't asking for information... Everybody knows the answer. There's a point to be gotten. So when God said, see, Cain had a relationship with God. He knew who God was. He knew that he should be bringing an offering. He knew that he had a service and a worship to give to God, his creator. He had been taught that from his parents. And when God said, make sure that I read this the way it should be. He said, why are you angry and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? That's a rhetorical question. Cain knew the answer to that. And Cain knew why he hadn't been accepted, I suggest to you this morning. He said, will you not be accepted? Yes. 
Okay, so why are you behaving this way? And then he goes on to say, but if you do not do well, sin lies at the door, we read this morning. Sin is crouching at the door, some translations say. Its desire for, is for you, but you must rule over it. I want you to get that image in your mind before we move a little further this morning into some application. Get this image in your mind. Sin lies at the door. And so the reason for the title this morning is that most of us have doors. Our front door leads on to a porch. And we have two dogs in our neighborhood, uh, B and Molly are their names. And they actually belong to the neighbor, but I don't, I'm not real sure they know that. Uh, but just about every morning, in fact, if, if you're coming to my house for company, one of the things on the to-do list is to wipe the dog nose prints off of the front door glass. Because every morning there is a, a large black nose and two eyes looking in to see if anybody's up yet. Because they know there's a bag of treats just on the inside of that door and a pack of weenies and all kinds of other things uh, just waiting. But they're out there lying. They're going to lie on that porch until somebody opens that door. Now, if you can get that image in your mind, let's begin to make some application here. God said that if you do well, everything, you'll be accepted and everything is the way it should be. But if you don't do well, notice where Cain was. I'm not going to suggest to you where Cain was this morning spiritually, except he was in a bad place. He was in a dangerous place because God said if you do the right thing, then everything will be as it should be. The suggestion is you haven't done the right thing because I didn't accept you. But if you choose to continue not doing the right thing, sin is crouching at your door. That Hebrew word has the idea of a predator. It has the idea of an unwanted guest on the porch who is literally crouched down. Have you, nod your head if you've ever seen a mouse, or a mouse, a cat who's hunting a mouse and about to pounce. Ever seen that? Do you, ever, you notice how it's, it loads itself almost? That's exactly what this Hebrew word suggests. Sin has crouched down in a predator position, waiting for you to open the door, waiting for you to allow it entrance, waiting for you to make yourself more vulnerable to its assault. That's the Hebrew word. Now, let's make some applications this morning as we think about this. In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The idea there is that there is a right way to think and a wrong way to think. We can see that here. Adam, or excuse me, uh, Abel was thinking the right way. He brought his best. But a uh, Cain had begun to not think the way he should. I don't know exactly what his thought process was, but it caused him to not be respected by the Lord. You and I have a sacrifice just as surely as Abel did, just as surely as Cain did, you and I give something to God, and it's who we are. It's every breath we take. It's every step we make. It is every decision that drives who we are as people. Are either serving God 
are leading us in another direction or being un, uh, um, or not respected by God. Have you ever thought about that? Mark chapter 12 and verse 20. What did Jesus say there? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. Folks, Cain's heart, his mind, his soul, his strength did not reflect a proper love for God. Is it possible that you and I can find ourselves in that same position? As Ken is fond of saying, nod your head like this, because it's true. In 1 Corinthians 6, folks, listen to this. Paul was dealing with a specific sin there, but there is a principle in 1 Corinthians 6 that needs to sink deeply into our heart, verses 19 and 20. He said, do you not know that you are not your own? Uh, sorry, let me back up. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? You were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Don't you understand that everything about you is included in the, in the phrase body and spirit? From the thoughts to the motives to the actions, to the reactions, to the daily behaviors, to the specific behaviors. Those all are sacrifices that I am either giving to God the way they should be so that they are respected, or I am not giving to God the way He would have them. And I can't help but think about, again, I think these passages apply here. I can't help but think about Revelation chapter 3, uh, 14, 15, 16, when I read about the church at Laodicea, remember who they were. Now, if this doesn't, if, you have, if nothing so far has gotten your attention, I pray that God gets your attention here. Because if Cain can be in this situation, then so can you and so can I. Because the Laodiceans were told, I wish you were cold, I wish you were hot, but you're neither. You're lukewarm. Now, here's a, another rhetorical question. Did God accept the current sacrifices, spiritual lives of the Laodiceans in that passage? The lukewarm ones? No. No, he didn't. So Cain, I suggest Cain, at whatever point, at some point, I don't have the specifics, so I won't try to share specifics because I won't make anything up that's not in there. But Cain was serving God the way he was supposed to, as was Abel. But at some point, he began to become lukewarm. He began to become lax. So that there came a day when he and his brother offered before the Lord and his offering was not acceptable. And God gave him a chance to turn that around because he said to him, if you do well, you'll be accepted. Now, as we bring this lesson to a close, and this is not a hard lesson, let's bring it down to a, some ramifications. There are some ramifications for you and me spiritually that I hope you'll think about. Well, first, I think about Ephesians chapter 4, 26 and 27. It's interesting that the problem... Now, Cain appeared to have several problems going on. But one of the things that God uh, specifically mentioned is, why are you angry? 
You ever stopped and thought about at whom was Cain angry? Well, apparently he was angry at God or at Abel. He was angry in a way he shouldn't be. We know that he eventually kills his brother. That's what verses 9 and 10 tell us. Some more time seems to have passed there between verses 8 and 9 and 10. But he makes a decision and, and continues to go the wrong way, and he kills his brother. But he's angry. Do you know what Ephesians 4, 26 and 27 says? Be angry and sin not. Don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. Don't ever read verse 26 ever again without reading verse 27 too. Now let's hear it together. Be angry, but do not sin, nor let the sun go down upon your wrath, nor give a place. One translation says an opportunity to the devil. Don't give the devil a place to have a foothold. Don't give sin a place of proximity to your heart. And that's the heart of this whole lesson. That's where we've been going this entire time is that there may be someone listening to this lesson this morning. I believe that this lesson applies to me because I've already begun to think about some things that I need to change. That I can be in such a, a, a condition of the way I think and the attitude of my heart and the service of my life and the choices that I make that I, sin hasn't gotten me yet, but I'm letting certain sins be in dangerous proximity to my heart. Because God said, Cain, if you do well, then you'll be accepted, respected. But if you don't do well, sin is crouching outside the door waiting to pounce on you. What's it waiting for for you to open the door? What's it waiting for you to step out onto the porch so it has nothing between you and it to get full grasp of your life? Now... As I let that sink in just a little bit, I want us to think about um, Philippians chapter 4. And two more verses, or three more verses, and this lesson will be yours. But in Philippians chapter 4, what are some ways? I wonder, may I suggest to you this morning that it is possible for me, and you may say, preacher, I don't agree with that. It's not possible for that to happen to me. Okay. I'm glad. But I'm telling you that it is possible for me, and I fear it might be possible for you to be in the same situation Cain was in and that there is sin, a certain sin, I don't know what it is, crouching outside of your door. It's lying in wait on your porch. Philippians 4, verses 8 and 9. Uh, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are um, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are uh, of good report, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be anything praiseworthy, think on these things. Think about this. Let those things... You know, sometimes I think, or I'm, I know I have not misapplied, but tried to live that verse... Uh, as I've often told my students taking these, don't make it harder than it is. I think I've tried to make verse 8 harder than it is because I think I have to pick a moment when I, I do like Winnie the Pooh and I think, think, think about certain... It has more the idea of here of let that be the content of your heart. You make a conscious effort to let those things 
I'll be the first one to, t- to tell you that this Christian has trouble with negative thoughts. I have trouble with letting negative be my first response. I'll be honest with you, when I think about a potential situation at school, I wish that I didn't, but I always have the negative scenario pop up in my mind. This is how it can go, it's worse. This is how it can go that way. And I have learned to to think, what are you doing that for? Paul said, you let the things that are wholesome, the things that are pure, the things that are positive, the things that are heavenly, the things that are spiritual, you let those fill up your mind. Then he said in verse 9, the things which you have received, the things which you have learned, the things which you have uh, heard and seen, these things you do, and the God of heaven will be with you. Now, what did, Paul, uh, or what did God say to Cain? If you do well, if you and I make it a point to do the things we know that are the right things to do, and in the process of that, we allow nothing but things that are godly to fill our hearts, then Satan has no recourse but to stay off our porch. Then I think of um, Matthew chapter 6, 19 through 20. Now, folks, listen to this passage. Let it sink in. Matthew 6, 19 through 20. Don't say, oh, yeah, I know what that says. Lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust uh, corrupt and thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not corrupt and thieves don't break through and steal. Where your heart is, that's where your treasure is going to be. That's what Jesus said. So listen now. Did Cain begin to think incorrectly about the blessings that God had given him? Apparently so. Did Cain begin to think incorrectly about what he was supposed to do with the life God had given him? Apparently Because he brought his offering before the Lord and the Lord didn't respect it. And the Lord gave him an opportunity to do well. But he didn't do well. He let that anger foster. He let that um, whatever was there foster. And it became full-blown sin. Why? Because Cain opened the door. And sin entered all the way. Now, back to Matthew 6. Folks, if there are things in your life I don't care what they are. If they cause you to spend more time thinking about those things and more effort on those things and to go places you know you shouldn't go and wear things that you shouldn't be wearing because it's justified by, by the uh, situation in which you've said, I participate. Wait a minute. Jesus said that Laying up treasures for heaven means that I, I put the priority on things that make me closer to God. Apparently, Cain had a pretty good garden, as we'd say. He had a pretty good garden. He, he brought a good crop. But he didn't bring it the right way. And he didn't bring the right spirit. And God didn't accept it. You and I have to be willing to give God our very best. Now, last verse, I invite you to turn there with me. 1 John. 1 John chapter 1. We're going to read verses 5 through 10. 
5 through 9. 1 John 1, 5 through 9, you could probably quote this passage. Then I'm going to make a, uh, an application here as we close this lesson that I hope makes sense. 1 John 1, start re reading with me about verse 5. This is the message which we have heard from him. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Got that? Verse 6, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Remember what God said to Cain? If you do well, hmm. Verse 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with one another and the blood of his son, of Christ, Jesus Christ his son, cleanses us from sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, I want you to imagine. Now, I realize that this, this physical application or illustration is tenuous maybe at best, but get the point. Most of us, especially if we've got uh, a varmint of some kind showing up on the porch or somebody messing around on the we turn our porch light on so as to give us that security, so as to illuminate. Now, this may be the silliest illustration you've ever heard. But God told Cain, he said, if you do well, I'll respect you. But if you don't do well, sin is lying outside the door waiting on you. Cain opened the door, stepped into the dark, and was consumed, and he committed sin. It may be that I need to make sure that my porch light is on. John 8, 12 says, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. If I make sure that the light of the Word of God is the illumination in which I am living then sin cannot crouch outside of my door. Why? It's too bright with the light of Jesus. This morning, is there sin crouching outside of the door? You know it's there. Outside of the door of your heart, your life, you know it's there. You've let it come up on the porch. You've, you've been feeding it. And it's just waiting on you to take that next step. Be able. Do well. Do what's right. If we can help you this morning, if you need to obey the gospel, let the blood of Christ wash your sins away as you obey the, the truth and are baptized into Christ as you confess his sweet name, repent of sin, because you believe that he is God's son. If we can help you with prayer or you need to get rid of some sin that's outside the door. Maybe you need to do that privately. Maybe you need to do that publicly. But if we can help you, that's our goal while we stand and while we sing. I wander far
have suffered. 349. We'll sing the verses and then the chorus on this. They bound the hands of Jesus try to paint a picture of Jesus and his walk to the cross. <clears throat> Let's go back to Gethsemane where he's exceedingly sorrowful 
Imagine, appreciate the agony as he prayed, let this cup pass from him. And that he was still going to do his father's will. Imagine the pain and disappointment as Judas betrays him. As the disciples flee from him. And Peter denies him three times that he even knows him. Go with Jesus as he's mocked, blindfolded, spat upon, and slapped. Try to feel some of the pain he experienced of the brutal scourging cut flesh from his back. Think about the humiliation, the scarlet robe, the crown of thorns, the scepter, the reed scepter, and don't forget why he did it. See him carrying the cross to Calvary. And while at Calvary, the Lord was subjected to shame and humiliation of having his clothes stripped from him, being mocked. Imagine all the things said about him and hurled at him while he was on the cross. All these thoughts are deserving during the Lord's Supper. But there's more. While this memorial is intended to be a time of serious reflection, it's not intended to be a depressing time. Consider a few more things to meditate. Let's travel with Mary Magdalene and other women on that Sunday morning to the tomb and learn that the Savior is risen. Watch as Thomas's doubts disappear as he proclaims, my Lord and my God. Walk with the apostles to the Mount of Olives as they see the risen Savior ascend into heaven. Allow the Lord's Supper to remind us that he is coming again to deliver his people and allow them to live with him forever. Let us bow now as I give thanks for the bread. Our Father who art in heaven, the creator of heaven and earth, the creator of all life, we bow before thee this morning, Father, in remembrance of your son, Lord Jesus, for his birth, his life, his death, and resurrection. We pray, Father, that as we partake of this bread, which is a symbol of his body, we'll do so in a manner that's pleasing and acceptable to thee. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Let's now bow for, give thanks for the cup. Father, once again, we just <clears throat> approach thee, Father, just so thankful for all the many blessings of life and all the spiritual blessings through your Son. We pray now that as we partake of this cup, which is a symbol of his blood that was shed upon the cross for the remission of sin. In Christ's name I pray, amen.
Now, if you will, bow with me as we thank, give thanks for our for contributions. Father in heaven, once again, we just, we just want to glorify you this morning, Father, with our worship. So thankful for all the material blessings that you continue to bestow upon us each and every day. We pray, Father, that we will be the stewards that you would have us to be over these many things that you give us. We love you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Real quick, I just wanted to get up here and remind you all about one week from today, we're going to be doing the progressive dinner. That's the teenagers. We feed them, have an appetizer, a main meal, and the dessert. We like to go to different people's houses. We haven't done it at the people's houses in a few years now, so I uh, want to get back to doing that. That opportunity has opened up to anyone. It's not just their parents or the people involved in the youth. Is anyone in here, if you want to open your house up next week, please let me know. I've got, um, I have availability. So let me know if you're willing to open your house to serve one of these portions of this meal for the progressive dinner. Uh, just come find me and tell me what you'd like to do. Thank you. Good morning. I sure hope that all of you have benefited as much as I have from being here today. It's always wonderful to assemble to worship God and today we had 316 who are present. Uh, some are visiting with us. We want you to know that you are our honored guest, and we want you to come back and be with us as often as you possibly can. I hope you'll make an effort to be back tonight for our Bible classes at 5 o'clock. We have excellent classes for all ages, and uh, you'll benefit tremendously as a result of being here. I do want to remind the ushers today to please pick up the registers, uh, the friendship registers, please, uh, so that we can have a record of your attendance today. Our men's breakfast today was a huge success, uh, not only because of what we ate, but because of the fellowship that we enjoyed. Uh, there were 40 men, I think, who assembled together this morning. We were led in prayer for those that were sick, and it was just a time of encouragement and uh, I think every man that was there and child enjoyed it. And uh, we want to encourage all of our men to think about being a part of this as uh, we continue to have this probably on a quarterly basis. Uh, as far as updates uh, on our sick, uh, Patsy Bain is going to be having some surgery on the 14th on Wednesday of this week. And she requests that we remember her in our prayers. Also, ladies that would like to help with the bridal shower in honor of Molly Rowland, you're asked to meet in the little chapel this morning following our worship. Uh, Bible Bowl is going to meet this afternoon at 245. Also, for lads to lead her song leading in songs of praise, competitive students, third grade and up, uh, in the foyer there is a sheet to schedule one-on-one -on -one sessions with Jeremy and Leanne for next Sunday at their home. Uh, this time will be used to selecting songs for the convention, and so you're encouraged to have two or three songs selected for that particular meeting. Tonight, of course, after our service, after our Bible classes, we're going to be having a teacher's appreciation night in the annex. Uh, this coffee and dessert fellowship is being hosted by Salt Team 3, 
And we want to emphasize the fact that this is for teachers and their families, and not only for teachers and their families, but SALT Group 3, uh, all of you are encouraged to stay as well. Uh, Lord willing, Tuesday night, if the weather permits, we will be having the uh, parade, and we'll be serving hot chocolate and cookies. And uh, if you can help with that, please see uh, Brother Tommy Barragona. Golden Circle, you have your luncheon, the last one of the year that's coming up this coming Tuesday, uh, the 13th uh, at 1130 in the Annex. Hope you'll make your plans to be a part of that. Also, if you would like to remember a loved one during the holidays with a contribution to one of our ministries, uh, there are forms in the foyer that need to be turned in with a check by this Wednesday, the 14th. Our food pantry and clothes closet are staying very, very busy, uh, especially this time of year, but especially due to uh, inflation. And uh, this is taking its toll on all of us, but particularly on those that are, are without and maybe somewhat uh, less fortunate than us. We have helped so far this week about 112 families uh, with food and clothes. And of course, this coming Thursday, is another day for our clothes closet and food pantry. And I, I, I appreciate so much uh, all of those that are willing to help. And you know what I'm going to do? If you help with the clothes closet anyway or food pantry, if you've showed up one time in the last year, stand up real quick, please. I'll call on you if you, don't, if you make me. Come on. Now, this is just a, a sampling. I, some are not here uh, today. But all of these people that just stood put in a lot of work uh, in order to make this a success. And it is beneficial in so many ways. It helps our community. It allows the church here to be glorified, uh, to glorify God by doing this work. And we want to thank all of you who do that. And if you would like to help with that, uh, we would love for you to be a part of that. Our food pantry item this week is macaroni and cheese. I believe that's all the announcements that I have. If you'll stand, please, uh, I will dismiss us in prayer. Our merciful and kind Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that we've had the privilege to assemble here this morning to worship you in spirit and in truth. We're thankful for Stephen. We're thankful for the encouraging admonition that he's given us from your word today. And may we examine our lives and our hearts and always make sure that uh, we are being faithful to you in all things. Father, there are many that we know that are sick. We know that Sister Patsy Baines has requested our prayers for her surgery on uh, Wednesday of this week. There are others who need our prayers, Father, as well. Please watch over them and bless the hands that are attending to their needs. Father, at this time of the year especially, we pray for those that are grieving over the loss of loved ones. It's a very difficult time, Father, and may they be strengthened uh, through your hope and consolation. Father, we pray that you would dismiss us today and bring us back together for our Bible study tonight at 5 o'clock and keep us safe, dear God. And these things we ask in your son's name. Amen.